You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. The Running Public is brought to you exclusively by VJ Shoes. My ratio of choice, Kirk's ratio of choice. If you're heading off trail, this is the shoe you want on your foot. Right now, discount code RUNNINGPUB40 will get you $40 off the VJ Shoe Zero. This is a 20 carbide tipped winter running and racing beast. Go to VJShoesUSA.com and use it today. This is the Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday. Talk about injuries today, folks. Injuries and how to train through them, which is a difficult, difficult task if you don't know where to start. Yeah. If you've never had to work through an injury in your life, I don't like you because you cannot relate to Bracken or I or probably anybody else. I think if you've spent enough time endurance training, you have dealt with your quarrels without a doubt. Everyone's got something, right? You realize that you start talking to people at races or afterwards and you realize the notion of being super healthy and like just always feeling great is kind of skewed. Everyone's always dealing with something. It's just what's your version of the most healthy you can be. Yeah, I agree with that. And you know, really the difference is, is everybody's dealing with something. You, but the only reason you're thinking people aren't dealing with something is because they're not as vocal on social media about all their excuses and why things aren't going well. Some people choose to keep those injuries to themselves. But I think if you're putting time on feet, there's always something that you're probably keeping your eye on. Um, even though it may not seem that way to you, you're not sure what's going on with every athlete. I bet you everybody has their thing. Yeah, and I, I would consider myself a relatively healthy athlete throughout my career. I haven't had too many big setbacks, and yet it's rare to go longer than like six to eight weeks of a training block without something at least like popping up and announcing it to yourself. Like, hey, just don't forget you got a left knee here, and oh, the hip's going to chime in tomorrow. Like the, Things always pop up. That's just the nature of sports. So what we want to chat about is a question we get all the time. I'm hurt. What can I do to maintain the maximum level of fitness possible so that when I'm no longer hurt, I can continue training and racing? Yeah, that is sort of the uh, golden question. And you guys are listening to two experts in this, for better or worse, because myself, I am always cross-training through something. I have a couple chronic issues which limits my running. So I have been pulling the strings of this balance of running and cross-training for years. And Bracken, unfortunately, you've kind of been in the same boat, haven't you? Yeah, I, I was pretty injury-free for a long time. And then I had a chain of things happen. I had a, a broken toe. And then I had some SI issues because of that. I had a pulled hamstring last year, like an old person. And then right now, I am actually one week out from surgery on a shredded meniscus. You're going to have a complex little comeback for a few weeks anyways from that, right? Yeah. So I've dealt with foot. I've dealt with knee. I've dealt with hamstring and lower back. And as a result, even though all of them cleared up and I could move on, I now have a little bit of knowledge gained on what was the best way to deal with each part of the body while trying to maintain fitness. Because anyone who knows me knows that I don't train because training is like my life. I train because competing is my life. And so my my focus was always, how can I be ready to compete as soon as possible after returning to running? 
And you're the same way, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm uh, kind of in that boat right now. And I would say there's a lot of high mileage runners out there in our sport. And some are running six, seven days a week. And just giving myself a little credibility and you some credibility here. I haven't run more than four days a week. And a lot of weeks have been three for me leading up to this point so far in 2020. And I still plan to go race well, without question. And I've found a way to move the puzzle pieces around uh, running significantly less miles than others. And so hopefully maybe get some stuff out of this is how it can help you too. It's your season isn't over if you're dealing with something. If you can get some time on feet and make it purposeful, uh, you can cross train your way to good performances. Yeah. So the first time I ever heard about true cross train, in high school, someone, the trainer would say, oh, if you're dinged up, yep, get on the bike, ride the stationary bike. And, yeah. and that was the extent of it. That was our cross training. Oh, you're in the pool today. Go, uh, go swim. Go. Yeah. Your team's doing a 30 minute run, go do a 30 minute swim. That was the extent. But the first time I really learned about cross training was my junior year of high school. We got a coach came into our, our school who had been an all American in the 5k in college. And he was fresh out of college, came over and he brought some real knowledge to the table, but he had been coached by a guy named Brian Deemer. And Brian Deemer, for those of you who don't remember, back in the 80s, was a very, very good steeplechaser for the U.S. And he had a stress fracture before the 1984 Olympic trials. And he went to the pool and started aqua jogging. And he aqua jogged every single day for like six or seven weeks, got out of the pool three weeks before the trials, qualified for the Olympics in the steeplechase, which is a high impact race, and took bronze at the 84 Olympics in steeplechase coming off of essentially two months of pool running. So my coach shared that story with us and that stuck with me to realize that, okay, yeah, an injury is not the end of your racing season. You can not only get through it, but you can come out with real fitness intact. That's a great example of how it works, man. And, and I think the biggest thing, you know, you, you get injured and you, and people see setbacks in their fitness And most of the time, it's because they lose their focus. They lose their gusto for their training. They kind of throw their hands in the air and say, F this. What am I even working for? And they get sick of the monotonous grind across training. They lose their intensity. And then that's where their fitness is going down. But if you actually care and are willing to do what it takes cross training wise, it's not a death sentence. It really, the loss in fitness is due to loss of focus and loss of time you're putting, relevant time you're putting in. In my opinion, no, you're that. That's not that is fact right there, and that's something I needed to hear three years ago when I had my first injury. I went from a daily scripted plan that was always looking twelve weeks in the future to showing up to the the fitness center each day, thinking, "All right, what should I do today?" Hold on, you made it till like your late twenties before you ever dealt with an injury. Yeah, outside of like a rolled ankle, I just never had any injuries. I was super lucky. You are one of the lucky ones. That's a long time to be an endurance athlete and never get hurt. Yeah, but exactly what you said. It was a, my lack of fitness came from a lack of focus. I I am so anal about scripting out my workouts, and as soon as I got hurt, I didn't approach it with the same, like you said, gusto and intensity. The same way you script a training plan is the same way you have to script a rehab plan, and you nailed it perfectly. It must contain specified intensities. I'm so glad you brought that up because I was just going to go right into that point and you and you started it for me. So I'll just jump right into a little bit of a philosophy I have. Let's say you have a race coming up in eight weeks, okay? And you're starting to deal with something. It doesn't matter what it is. Shin, knee, IT, band, who cares? It doesn't even matter. What I do is I like to create a plan 
based on my race goal. And then I work it backwards and I write out a, an extended weekly plan of my training. Okay. Well, now we have a kink in the, in the program because we're injured or we have something we need to watch. So I will mimic my training plan exactly as prescribed for that day, but I will do it within another modality. And that could be so many things and we're going to talk about them, but I stick to the plan. If I have a tempo run plan for that day, guess who's grinding their ass off on the rower or the bike or the cross country skis. If I have 400 meter repeats planned and I want to run them in 75 seconds, guess who's going inside out on the rower for 75 second repeat. Like I'm sticking to the plan and I'm not losing sight of the energy systems I'm trying to work. That's right. Is that how you approach it? Yeah. And we talked a few weeks ago about how your body doesn't necessarily know pace. It knows effort. That holds true for, like you said, different modalities. Yes, rowing does not translate one-to-one to to running, but high heart rate is high heart rate. Lungs having to work are lungs having to work. Muscles starving for oxygen, that that, that carries over. And those are the things that you can keep at 100% capacity. Even though you may lose some of your run efficiency or some of that resistance to impact, you can keep all of the actual chemical and muscular reactions completely up to par. Yep. And when you do that, so really, you know, you could be cross training. Let's say you're not running at all. You're injured and you're out for two months. Um, Yeah, sure. Of course, the first few runs back are going to feel like you lost some fitness, but most of that is due to neuromuscular adaptation, which is just a fancy word of saying your body is remembering how to fire efficiently and appropriately in the running stride because you've been doing other modalities of training and then run economy, uh, as you had mentioned. But like like the engine, your, your horsepower hasn't changed. If you do a proper cross-training program, just like Bracken said. And so what happens is when you stay on top of your engine through cross-training and you hop back into running, yeah, like I just said, you'll feel a little clunky, but it will start clicking pretty damn quick after you start running again because all the other systems are in place. Your body just has to become efficient again, which can make can take 10 days. Yeah. And injuries cloud our mind. We are aware that this concept exists elsewhere. They're some of the greatest mountain runners and endurance athletes spent in Europe. They spend all off-season doing what, Kirk? They spend their time cross-country skiing. Yeah, and we know that cross-country skiing translates to running. They hit the ground a few weeks later. They feel clunky and slow. And after a couple of weeks of doing some interval work, they are right into the race season. We see it with John Elbin every year. We see it with Ryan Atkins. We see it with arguably the greatest mountain runner we've ever seen with Killian Jornet. These guys have proven it and we understand it. And we say, yeah, off-season cross-training totally works. Why would that suddenly go away just because we're injured? And it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And, and, and you know, the one thing that I've sort of played with over the years is I, I, will, I will admit that sometimes in certain cross-training, it's hard to get your heart rate as high as running would get in when you're doing hard work, especially you can do aerobic work in a lot of cross training avenues. Um, so I would, if you're looking at your high end, um, cross training workouts where you're really looking for intensity, not just putting time in, then I would look at options that can get your heart rate a bit higher. And those are things like, like the rower, for example, you're using your upper and lower body cross country skiing. I've taken up this winter and oh man, I actually have to hold myself back to keep my heart rate low enough because you can let, even let it spike higher in cross-country skiing without knowing than you can running, is from my, from my opinion. So finding something, even an elliptical with the arms on, set a high resistance, something that's going to cause that heart rate to get up higher. Uh, oftentimes the bike 
because it's a smaller muscle group, your upper body's not working. You have to really mentally stay engaged to keep that heart rate high. Swimming can do that to you sometimes too, because it's not weight bearing, but picking modalities in which, uh, allow you to achieve a high heart rate is important too, especially for the quality cross-training workouts. You nailed that. I have nothing to add to that. I, I was just piggyback with it that uh, heart rate-based training does get tricky. So if you're used to doing heart rate-based training, you either have to have a, a scaled down percentage of that that you use if you're on the bike or, or doing something like swimming. Um, but it's a great time to work on your RPE, work on your rate of perceived effort exertion and and feel your way through the workouts everyone knows what vo2 max quarter mile work repeats feel like when you're running hard 400s you know what that burns like you can replicate that on a bike you may see a heart rate that's 10 beats lower but you don't have to put stock in that as long as you're finding like kirk said another way to get your heart rate up at a different point in your week yeah yeah so I guess just because we both cross train a good bit, especially I guess you in the last few years, what are your favorite, what are your favorite go-to ways to cross train? Well, I guess if I had to rank, people always ask me, what is the next best thing to running? Yeah. And the cheater answer is to get on an, an alter G, you know, a, a water-based treadmill or a suspension-based treadmill where you can take your percentage of body weight down, but yeah. that's not applicable to most people. So the next best thing I actually think is aqua jogging. Okay. You have an impact-based injury that, and you can't put pressure onto the ground, then getting just a foam belt and jogging in the pool, running. You can run tempos. I've done I've done 90-second intervals. I've done 30-30 workouts. I've done 60-minute tempos in the pool wearing an, a belt. I've done a long run. I did a two-hour aqua jogging session out in Colorado one day because I needed to get a long run in. You can do that. However, if you can touch the ground, then you can stay in the shallow end and you can, I always did it with shoes on so that my feet didn't blister over time against yep, the bottom yep. of the pool, but you can run anywhere from, from thigh deep all the way up to chest deep in the water and play with how much weight you want touching the ground. So either one of those I think is the single best way, but outside of that, I get on the spin bike because I find it's something that I can mentally handle. I want to go back to your aqua jogging real quick. Uh, can you, can you explain maybe why you think that's one of the best? I think it's best because you do the same movement. You stay in the same plane of movement as running. You're working on the same mechanics. And so kind of how you talked a bit before, how that neuromuscular connection breaks down a little after some time away from running. This is the best approximation that I can find to keeping that neuromuscular pathway greased and primed. I was setting you up for that one. I wanted to make sure we covered that. And, and as much as, you know, depending on if we're talking run specific motion, uh, let's say flat running specific motion, as much as the the elliptical gets bagged on, some of the newer ones and some arc trainers keep you in that sort of plane, your arms are at least moving. Um, they can translate. I've, sometimes with your injury, you can't put pressure on your legs like an elliptical would ask, but uh, that is a good one as far as keeping like some of that economy. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned arc trainers because that's an advancement to the elliptical. I feel like that's the the next evolution of ellipticaling and using the arc trainer because you get that heel drive up towards your butt a little bit. You get to stride forward. It's a bit more natural. And I think you could keep your hips used to running a little better with that. Yeah, yeah. So for me, my, my favorite um, really are two. Now, or th I'll explain three different things actually when I think about it. So if I have steady aerobic work, let's say a junk miles, as we talked about in our last episode or recovery miles, I'll get literally on anything and go steady. My spin bike you could do an easy row. You could do a cross country ski. 
um, anything you want, the elliptical, that I don't really even care about. Whatever you, whatever just keeps you coming back and getting moving on those days. Now, when it comes to the high intensity days, that's when I am picking up my cross country skis or my rower, uh, anything that's going to just make getting that heart rate higher a little bit more manageable uh, than some of the other things. So, so that's how I set it up. I actually wanted to play like a little bit of a game with you, Bracken. I like games, Kirk. Yeah. All right. So let's walk. Let's say we have a week set up. Okay. And our week is this, and hopefully the listeners can hang on to this, but okay. So Monday is going to be a recovery cardio effort. Okay. What do you, what do you do? What would you do? Let's say it's a minute, uh, an hour steady and you were supposed to run. How, what would you choose to do that day? Uh, I have two go-tos. I either, if I can't bear weight, I'm always on my spin bike. Okay. It, again, it's, I don't think it's necessarily better than something else. I can just turn the TV on, lose myself, watch an old race and get through it without suffering. Okay. That, or I, that if I can bear weight, I crank my treadmill up and I just power hike while walking. I'm glad you brought that up. Incline hiking is fantastic cross training. Um, okay. So now here's the deal. So we had a running plan laid out this week and 60 minutes was our Monday. Now Tuesday comes along and we have five by one mile with three minutes recovery. Okay, that was our plan, and we're all beat up because we can't do it, and we're all pissy, but we're going to do something like it anyways. What do you do for Tuesday? If I have access to a pool, I'm doing that one in the pool, and I'm doing it by time. If my miles were going to take me 530, I'm doing five and a half minute intervals, but uh, if not, again, I'll probably be back on the bike that day because I know personally I can hammer on the bike and get my legs feeling bad like they would during a run. Okay. What about you? What would you do? Fair. You nailed it, man. I'm going to I'm gonna take time. So I'm going to go off a of time. When you translate running to cross training, forget distance. Nothing equates perfectly. Go to time. Let's say I wanted to run 530. Now me, I would probably cross country ski or row only because I've heart rate monitored and I just can't quite get my heart rate as high as I'd like on the bike in general. I try and I can get it close, but not quite the same. Whereas in the rower or skis, I can blow myself up pretty good. And I can simulate more of my running heart rates if I were to do that. If I had cross-country skiing as an option to me right now, that's what I would be doing. Yeah. 100%. Because it gets your upper body and it gets your cardiovascular system going like the bike won't. Yep. So I would I would pick one of those. I'd do the exact same thing you did. Five and a half minutes hard. I'd rest three minutes or just casually recover at an easy effort. Um, all right. Wednesday's another steady day. We already covered we would do on a steady day. Now, Thursday, I have some thoughts on this. Thursday, you plan on climbing. You're going to do going for elevation gains. It's Thursday. You want to get a little vert. That was your original plan on your feet. What do you do to simulate that the best you can? Well, again, it depends on my injury. If I can bear weight, I might be lunging or box step upping ad nauseum, just doing a ton of them and just make it maybe an EMOM, maybe make it interval based for time, but I might be doing that. However, if I couldn't do that, um, the day before I would have switched to hiking because my butt would be sore from biking by this point. And so this sure. day I, I'd probably be back on the bike, crank the resistance up, stand up and grind. Awesome. Yeah. You, you nailed it. I couldn't add much more to that. I would, you know, the best cross training modality in my opinion to simulate running uphill would be the way the bike works, the, the legs, um, and how the muscles are engaged. So I would purposely get on the bike on that Thursday then maybe have a little higher resistance than I normally would for like a steady spin. Yeah. And I would burn up those quads and glutes. And, and now I would simulate my climb day with getting on the bike. Cause I feel like that's a little more specific to the goal I had for that day. Now this, this holds true for what I actually do, 
when I was out in Colorado, when I broke my toe, I, um, I just couldn't climb anymore, but I had mountain races on my season. And so I would go up, uh, there's this road that leads back into the, uh, Cheyenne Canyon, um, trails back there, but up, there's just this switchback road that goes up and I would get on a mountain, a big 29er mountain bike that had no speed to it. And I would just grind up the hill and it was two and a half miles to the top and I grind to the top and then I'd coast down. It would take like six minutes to get down as recovery. Cause it was, it, you'd be going, you know, 30 miles per hour down or whatever, and then yeah. go right back up. And I would do two rounds of that. And my legs would be shot. I believe that. I never used to believe that all that mountain biking could really prepare you for mountain running. And after my first session there, I realized if I can stand up in the saddle and grind up this thing on a bike, <laughs> I can damn sure run up it because this is way harder. So if yep. you can actually get outside on a bike and actually just do your hill work on a bike, I think that carries over very close to one to one. Yeah, exactly. So that's uh, what I'm trying to do here, guys. If you're wondering where I'm going with this is I'm trying to outline uh, a framework for you to understand that you can simulate your run training plan in very, very effective and purposeful ways. Like we just walked you through the first four days of a week and we've come up with solutions that are translatable for every single one of them. And I just want to finish off the week. So Friday, let's say you're recovering again, you, you do whatever you would like steady there, aerobic. And Saturday you have a long run planned. Okay. I have a, a thought I want to add on the long run, but I'll let you start. So what would you do? You have two hours and you're like, oh man, like two hours cross training, help me. What do you do there? I, you know what I, when I've had to do this, I alternate weeks. I choose one week as a, a uh, almost like a gift day to myself. All right. We're going to get through this as mentally easily as possible. And then the alternate week, I say, this is a mental toughness day. So on the gift day, I switch up modalities every five to 10 minutes. I treat it like yep. a circ a nonstop circuit workout. I might do uh, 500 feet of power hiking gain on the treadmill, hop off, do a thousand meter row, hop onto the bike and do 20 minutes steady bike, and then just keep cycling through. So I'm never burned out mentally on one, but on the grit days, I choose one modality and I force myself to do it the entire time. As long as I'm not getting some like weird overuse pain. Like if I, if I wanted to row for two hours, I would start to get like some actual overuse discomfort on my body and it may not be useful. So I would probably choose the bike or elliptical or uphill hiking or pool running and make myself do it straight for two hours to not lose that edge that you get when you're out doing long runs. Yeah, that's a perfect answer. And just to touch on being on the rower for a long effort or a long steady aerobic effort is really tough on your butt and your lower back. That's a, probably a, one of the more poor choices to pick for a steady effort, but cycling like you did, we all have a little ADD in us. That helps a ton. And what I notice when I have to cross train through a long effort is I start making these more of uh, a lower grade hit training in the sense where I will break up my cardio efforts with strength movements, almost like we talk about compromised running. Well, maybe I will, I'll bike for five minutes. I'll do 30 burpees. I'll do 30 pushups and I'll do 30 jump squats, and then I'll hop back on and just spin out the bike. And then five minutes later, I'll go to something. And so it, it, just like you kind of are doing by hopping around, I'm just breaking it up and time goes way faster. So, and you get a little more intensity out of that too. At times it can spike the heart rate, change energy systems. So, so a lot of times I will do that on my long efforts. I'll just create a big circuit, uh, throw some strength moves in there and, 
And that really does nicely for me. I can have two hours of that go as quick as running, to be honest with you, if yeah. it's set up right. So, and you can do that in many ways with many types of cross training, doesn't really matter, but that helps me a lot. One thing I do, cause I do a lot of mine on the bike. It's, I find that that's a, that's my mental toughness day usually. Cause I hate sitting on the bike outside. I could bike for hours if I need to inside. I just, my butt gets uncomfortable. My back gets uncomfortable. I'm tired of sitting in the same position and no matter what I'm watching, after like an hour, 75 minutes, I'm just tired of being on there. I break it up and I will do five minutes of bent over, like in tri position spinning. And then I'll get up for five minutes and take really light dumbbells. And I just swing my arms while sitting up and spinning just to give my arms some sense of, of moving through the motion fatigued. Part of it's mental for me, but part of it's to try to keep my upper body engaged. Yeah, that's so true. And I think I don't know, whatever you need to come up with to really get it done. But I, I like all of those, like that idea, what I had talked about, um, it's just, you know, if you're cross training for weeks or months at a time, when you're really dealing with something, those are the things you got to start doing to keep your head in the game. Yeah. But my biggest piece of advice I give people, if they are going, if they're looking at a long period, like more than three weeks, I recommend getting a Zwift or some sort of, uh, some sort of cycling apt membership because, you can get on there and it's it's like a video game, but for exercise and you ride against people, you can do time trials, races, workouts. At that point, I think it pays for itself in sanity. Yep. Yeah, I've never used it, but I know guys that have, and it seems like it really is like a, a game changer just to keep you through, especially like winter when you can't get outside. Um, okay, so let's jump into something, the next phase of this, okay? So let's say you're like me right now and maybe a little bit like you. So I can run but I can't run nearly as much as I want to, okay? Um, this is coming out on Tuesday. I have Jacksonville in like six days, five days, okay? I got races coming up. I got important things that matter, but I can't run nearly as much as I would like, okay? I think there's a lot of people in that boat right now. In fact, probably more in that boat than I'm full-blown injured and can't run at all boat, okay? So do you have any philosophies to like, how are we going to set up our week? How are we going to decide what to do on what day? What, how do you look at that? So this is when, this is when training gets tricky. So to, without us pimping our own coaching services, I, I truly believe this. Oh, is we the, can pimp it. All right. Pimp. We're, we're pimping away. Yeah. This yeah. is the time when having either a coach or a mentor or just someone you can bounce ideas off really is helpful. And Kirk and I serve this for each other. You know, we, yeah, we both do. coach as our profession, but we still need outside influence. And so Kirk and I call each other and bounce our ideas. Would this be a good workout? Am I dumb to try this? Am I a fool for thinking about doing this? That kind of stuff. But prioritizing, yep. I think the bang for your buck workouts, looking at your week and realizing, all right, this, if I run this workout, it gives me X return, but it risks Y. And I always try to balance those two things out. So over my last seven weeks of torn meniscus, I realized I could hit all my, if I ran 70% effort or harder, I could run with no pain because my legs were more, they're just tighter and more um, stable when I was working hard. If I had every muscle engaged, my knee was locked into place and I actually didn't cause damage. So I decided I'm running my threshold runs. I'm running my intervals, but I'm cross training on every single other day because it was the low intensity that actually caused my meniscus to snag more. And, and so I prioritize what was the risk reward. I will keep my fitness in check by hitting my quality days. And then I'm going to bump my volume up like crazy by using this. I use the stair climber. I use power hiking uphill and I use spinning. Yeah, we're on the exact same page there. And I knew we would be. Um, 
so if you have to prioritize, okay, I'm going to, I can only spend X amount of time on feet because if I spend more for me, it's my shin. So I've had six or seven stress fractures in my left tibia over the years. It's like my one weak point. I have some hips that come displaced the way my left, my left foot hits the ground. It's just like a weak spot. So in the winter, I do a lot of cement running. That's a lot harder on my legs and I end up in the same situation every year. Okay. Um, so what I found has worked for me is just what Bracken had said. If you're going to only be able to spend so much time on your feet without exacerbating an injury, choose the workouts or the runs that you're going to get the most return on investment out of, which means your quality days. Now you can fill your aerobic days or your recovery days in any other modality you really want to. But if you're caring about performance coming up soon, like you have a race going on and you need to hit those quality efforts, then those are the days that you choose to run. It's, it's pretty straightforward that way. You stay on your quality efforts, but you fill that time in between them with something that doesn't aggravate your condition. That's how I've been doing it for years. Yeah, and, and I think the caveat to that is that prior to making that decision, there would be a conversation that would have to happen, which is, are we committing to this race or are we committing to getting as healthy as possible? And obviously the smart long-term choice is generally sacrifice your quality runs get healthy, but there are times where because of your career or because of your race schedule or just because that is your goal and you're sticking to it, you just decide, no, I'm going to prioritize the race and I'm going to train through this. And so that's when we've made this decision. Okay, now I'm hitting my quality days. I'm going to get through the race in best condition I can. Yeah. And how long do you think that's sustainable, Bracken? Do you think you can, that's eventually going to catch up with you? Let's say you were running a bunch, like six days a week, and then you had to back down to three but you could sustain. Does it catch up to you? Do you think that you can actually maintain or build fitness in that phase? Do you have an opinion on that? My answer to this would have changed almost every year of being an athlete. Okay. Early on, I would have said, yeah, you can keep doing that forever. And then after years of volume, I would have said, no, nah, it's going to catch up eventually. But every time I think I have a set opinion on this, an athlete comes along who proves me wrong. And what I finally believe is that it's, it's different for certain athletes. There are some people out there who really respond to cross-training. There, I mean, you take a look at some of the best triathletes in the world can can run near world-class 10Ks or marathons off three to four days a week of running because they're getting quality on the bike and they're getting huge volume elsewhere. So those people prove to me that it can be done. But then the follow-up question to that is, are they doing it because of that or are they that good despite their lack right. of volume? And I don't think there's a way of proving that outside of making them change their training. So... I guess my answer is have faith that it can be done and you will know the moment it's it's starting to drop off. When you start to stagnate and then you start to move backwards, that's why it's important to keep doing your quality days is because you can you can finally look at your schedule and say, all right, there is a definite negative trend here. Now I know. Yeah. Yeah. And to speak for myself, um, last year, January, actually December through April, I was only running four days a week and I was cross training two or three. So basically I was kind of following the format we talked about, my quality workouts, uh, fillers with cross training. And I just went back and look at my running log just to confirm that before we chatted today. And I would say I got myself into pretty good shape quick. And then I kind of just hung on to it. I wasn't able to, once I got like hit a ceiling, I just kind of maintained. I don't feel like I was able to create a new and bigger energy system in order to perform a little higher, but I was able to keep like whatever fitness I had built and could do on that amount of work, I held on to. I didn't de didn't like decondition. Um, my fitness did improve once I was able to start running five days a week consistently and, and so on and so forth. 
but I kept a respectable level of fitness um, and performed okay on it for three, four, four full months, I would say. So it is possible. And it's not like I had a shit first half of my season. So like, it's, it's okay. Like you can like stick with it, be purposeful with your training and, and it can work. Even on three days of running a week, I have athletes right now, Achilles issues, other issues, and they're running three days a week and I am seeing them perform right now. So, <laughs> so it's, it's not like a waste of time. No, you I nailed mean. it. The, the word is purposeful. And, and, and there's also the opposite end of the spectrum, which I have done. There are certain injuries that allow you to do all the aerobic work you want to do on your feet, but you just can't open your stride up or you can't explosively leave the ground. There are some calf issues, some toe off issues, some, you know, muscle strain issues where you could run a hundred miles a week and be fine. You just can't do quality. And in that case, you just do the exact opposite hit your recovery runs, hit your long runs. If you can hit your, your just easy, what some people would call junk miles, but then you hop on the bike or the rower or the pool to get your intensity where you can yep. hammer away and not risk injury. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And, and something that a rule I've started to develop over the years is, you know, you might like run and then aggravate something and then wait till it feels okay. And then run again, it aggravates. You get caught in that cycle. I've been yeah. in that cycle. I'm in that cycle. And then eventually you're going to have to make the decision like, do I need to completely pull the plug and really get healthy or can I maintain this sort of riding the line? Now, right now I'm riding the line, for example. Um, but when you think you're ready to run again in that day, like I think I could run today, wait an extra day. Always wait an extra day. Like, oh, my shin feels okay today. I think I could run. Don't be an idiot. Oh, my knee feels okay. I think. Take that extra day, cross training, be patient. Um, that always plays out to your benefit. Like I've pushed that line and I've ended up with more fractures. Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. I had forgotten about this and it's something I should have had written down that I want to talk about, but I have it. It's my three day rule. I tell my athletes that, and I make myself follow it. Uh, the first day where I'm suddenly, I wake up and think I could train today. I yep. mark day one down on my, in my journal. And I have to have three consecutive days of feeling that way on the third I can run. So there's so many times day one, you feel awesome. Day two, you feel like crap again. And so if I get two in a row, if that third wake up, I wake up, I walk around, I go through my warm up, and I still believe, yep, this is the day, then I get to start that day. But I can't tell you how many times I've made it through day one or day two still thinking so. And on day three, I realized that would have been bad to start. Oh, I like that. I like that idea. That's also my off season rule. When I take extended time, if I've had a big build and I need some time away, as soon as I have three days in a row where mentally and physically I wake up excited to run again, I have to have three in a row before I can start up training. Yeah. So sometimes it's I've, I've taken a three-day off season because that's all it took. And other times it took three weeks because a weekend I thought, oh, I can't wait to train today. And I didn't. And the next morning I woke up and thought, I'll never run again. I think that's a good way to look at it. Like have some sort of steadfast rules you give yourself because this is like a blurry and cloudy like situation sometimes when you're it's a time of uncertainty. Should I be doing this? Shouldn't I be doing this? And if you can come up with some sort of like preset rules for yourself, it might save your hemming and hoeing and sanity. And I've been there a lot. Like, gosh, should I, what do I do? When do I, that's a really good, good idea to have, um, to have a rule like that. Uh, I wanted to just, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add as far as like cross training modalities and specifics. I thought it would be fun to just throw out a few of our favorite specific cross training workouts. Yeah. Before I do, I, I do want to reiterate that that when do I start up again is, again, a great time to either have a friend, a confidant, or a coach because they can be impartial to it. 
you and I wake up every morning and from the day, the time we wake up till the time we go to sleep, we're able to overthink things about, well, I just walked up the stairs and I felt good. Oh, I just walked down. I feel crappy. Oh, I jogged to the car after getting groceries. I feel really good. And those kind of things, it becomes way too easy to drive yourself crazy. Whereas someone on the outside could be like, nope, you said three days, you're sticking to three days. So whether you pay for a coach or whether you have the luxury of having someone that you trust, use them to be your your hard limiter on when do I start up again? You know, and that even goes, not that I plan on jumping into this, but that even goes with being sick um, and having something. I got two athletes with the flu right now and they're both racing Jacksonville and you need somebody to sound a board off for that reason and the, and the injury reason. I have them texting me every day. Where are you at? How are you feeling? Let's improvise. Let's make sure you have somebody to help you. Um, and I think, I don't know, it just applies, the same thing applies to like being really sick, being smart about it. Yeah. This time of year too. Um, so, okay. So what are, do you have any that come to mind, like off the top of your head, favorite specific cross training workouts? So if I'm in the pool, if I'm aqua jogging, I love fartleks. Um, intervals work fine too, but I, I, I like doing song on, song off in the pool where I just have some music playing and when it changes, you're going hard. And when it's not, you're recovering or when the next time it changes. And then you can play around with your playlist. You know, there's a lot of good music out there that's four and a half, five minutes or longer. And then some good songs that are still only two and a half, three minutes. So you can alternate your playlist so that you're you're not spending too much time doing the wrong thing. But I, I love doing that in the pool, either fart licking with a, a interval timer up on the side beeping or just doing song on, song off. Yep. That's actually so... With my clients, I still use this term iPod run, even though people aren't using their iPods anymore. I just like it because it's rooted in where it started. And I've been prescribing that for a decade. Song on, song off. And you can do it with absolutely anything. And it's kind of fun. Like if you vary the the duration of your songs, um, depending on what draw you get, it can just be a little bit more entertaining. And you can extend the workout. If it's a 10-minute workout and you're getting you know, three song, uh, that's about it. If, if it's a 30 minute workout and you're getting 10 songs in that time, you're working hard on the ons and you're craving your off time. But yep. song on song off is one of my go-to long runs in the off season. I'll do an 80 to 120 minute song on song off. And then you get to really work on proper in and out pacing where you're never cooking it too hard and you're never floating too much. You're just staying aerobic on the runs and, and pushing the pace a little bit on the on the song on. So I love that you can just extend it or compress it no matter the length of your workout. Yeah. That's such a simple concept, but it works. I've done it so many times and you can do it on any piece of equipment. So that's great. Yeah. Um, for me, so one, one that let's say you can kind of like, you want to add volume to a run, but you can't run that much yet. Uh, one cross training, and this is a hybrid between running and cross training, but it's very simple to pick something like a lot of times, even in this phase, um, for me, I will say I'm going to row 400 meters and I'm going to hop right on the treadmill and run a quarter mile as well. So you're, you're really doing 800 meter repeats and you're kind of priming your engine without getting nearly the amount of time on your feet, but kind of all the benefits when you tire something out by, you could bike out of the saddle for two minutes and then run a quarter mile repeat. You do anything you want. Um, doesn't have to be a quarter mile repeat either, but you're almost getting all the benefits of a longer interval, but with shorter time on feet. Mm-hmm. Because you're getting the run motion, you're getting that run economy, neuromuscular adaptation, you're getting the elevated heart rate, like you're hoping to achieve all of those things. So don't be afraid to do a hybrid workout like that. Oh, I I want to do five by a mile, but I don't think that my body can handle five miles of running yet. Okay, 
we'll do a half mile on something else and then a half mile of running and then take your rest. Uh, that works really well. I don't know if you've done much of that. But. I, I do those on my longer days. I haven't done that as speed work like that yet, but I like it. Yeah. Talk about, hey, you get off the rower, rowing hard and hop on that treadmill at five minute pace and see how it feels. Feels yeah. like you're, you're going to explode. It's, it's fantastic. Um, so the bike, my two, I have two go-to bike workouts. The first is if I want to do any sort of approximation for um, like 10K or half marathon type workouts. I just, I love doing five minute intervals with two to three minute recovery on the bike. And, and I find that it, it's long enough that I have to stay mentally on it. A minute or two in, I'll find myself starting to drift and I have to stay locked in, but it's short enough that I can still stay locked in and keep my power output pretty even throughout. And then the other one, if I want to work hard, I just do 60-60. Minute as hard as I can go, a minute as recovered as I can get. And then I just do 10 to 12 rounds of that. And I really, really cook it on every interval. Those are my two go-tos. Yeah. See, it's not complicated stuff, people. And this stuff works. Again, if you're not directly trying to translate a run workout you have prescribed for that day, um, or you need to modify a little bit, that 60-60 is fantastic. You can do it on absolutely anything. Another thing that keeps my... Uh, keeps me engaged is uh, ladder workouts for time. 10 minutes hard, five minutes easy, eight minutes hard, four minutes easy, because you're always counting down to something less. And yes, those first 10 and eight minute periods are a grind, but they would be if you were running that same workout too. So I'll pick a ladder workout where I maybe go like 10, eight, six, four, two, one, 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 until I'm like burnt out. Yeah. I like that. So those ladders really are effective. And depending on what you're trying to accomplish that day, they can they can be pretty, I don't know, a good translation, so to speak. I think I think that covers it pretty well. I, I think that people should be aware that this isn't a a rehab program. This is a training through. There, there has to be some sort of rehab in addition to this, that you're seeing a specialist, you have a program, some protocol that you're going through. You can't just expect things to go away, but that the point is no matter what you're doing on the outside, you can still be maintaining fitness, but that it takes a purposeful scripted plan to do so. 100%. You said it very well. Being injured is not a death sentence. Keep your focus. You can throw yourself a pity party for a day or two. I don't care. Fine. But get back to purposeful work. Stay on your training plan, even if you're picking another modality, like any sort of cross training. It's worth it. Don't lose your focus. Stay on it. And my final piece of advice is pick one weakness you've been aware of in the back of your mind for years that you just always kind of let slide and ensure that you come out of this better in some way. You know, for me, it was core. I let core slide forever. And so with this knee, I've focused on doing my core work for the first time ever. It could be mobility. It could be ankle flexion. It, it doesn't matter. It could be balance, whatever it is, pick one thing to keep yourself mentally engaged and you'll come out of it actually more well-rounded than you went in. It's a good point. I don't know if I have anything else to add other than get on that cross training people. That's right. This is one of those that we want you to reach out about. We want to hear what you're doing, how you're doing it so we can share the great things that we hear and also give you some encouragement or some ideas. If you need some ideas for workouts, reach out to us on this, either in the comments on social media, just contact us personally. And this is the kind of stuff that we've dealt with and we enjoy seen other people work through as well. So this is the episode we do want to hear back from you about. Yep. You can easily just find us on social media, shoot us a message. Our emails, I think are in there too. Not a problem. So. And pay attention. Kirk races in less than a week. We'll see if all his knowledge here pays off in Jacksonville. <laughs> we will. We will. Thanks for listening, people.
The Running Public is brought to you exclusively by VJ Shoes. These shoes are off-road, trail training and racing, bulletproof, and they have the best grip on the planet. Best grip on the planet, hands down. Feet down. Feet down. Get yourself some. (laughs) 